What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Desolation Radio. It's me, Boy Dan Evans. I'm joined as ever by the boy, Dr. Kieran Smith. All right, Dan. How's it going, son? Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, no, it's just a very, yes, yeah, a nice, polite intro. Thanks. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, we're here today actually to discuss a, a hidden history, maybe first of a, a series. Well, who knows? Because we don't know what the histories are that are hidden. That's the whole point of them being hidden. Um, in 1940, 80 years ago, uh, the community of Epping, which is a, a rural farming community, which lies between Bilthwells to the north and then Sennybridge and Bracken to the south, was cleared to make way for a massive firing range for the British Army. Obviously, we're in the midst of World War II. Now, whilst the episode of Chawerin, or you know, the clearance of Kellen is relatively well known within within Wales by now, what happened to Epping really isn't. And it's, you know, campaigners are trying to get the the history of Epping back onto the agenda. And obviously, we'll be, we will, there's something that we are very interested in because of the way it links into issues of militarism and pacifism and, and Welsh culture and language. And we're delighted to be joined today by Mr. Aros Lewis. Aros is, a, well, is an expert on all things to do with Epping, and he's going to talk us through the, uh, what happened. So welcome, Aros, and thank you for coming on. Thank you, thank you. I'm not used to hearing the word Mr. before my name. <laughs> Lord, uh, sir. Yeah, so thanks, Eros, for coming on. I mean, you've been doing a lot of stuff on Epping recently. Um, why don't you tell us what you've been doing around it and what has been happening, or what was meant to be happening this, this year? Yeah, well, um, working with the um, the Society for Reconciliation uh, in Wales, uh, and also with the local group um, uh, in, in Breckenshire at Govion Epint, which is a bilingual Facebook um, page, which has been uh, very successful with lots of memorabilia, memorabilia lots of photos coming, um, uh, being shown, and then that engendering more questions and and more people contributing in Welsh and English, um, which which is you know uh, really taking us at uh, to the centre of what what's happened in a way is in in that a Welsh speaking community 80 years ago was more or less just pushed off the land and it's a it's a plateau so you can think of it as a giant tabletop um, where with in with, with this uh, really well functioning um, uh, interconnected community where people have to work together in order to survive uh, and also to be to be a real community you know in in all respects and then and along comes this giant arm and just says way off you go and just pushes them all away so to speak which means that that you have a big dispersal um, to all directions which means that now you know the second or third generation um, of the families so many of them uh, don't have the language uh, because um, in when they went you had now then 220 people from 52 farmsteads all looking not just for somewhere to live but to make a living as well you know mostly farmers having to find new farms or um, they had to go to all directions they went to uh, to the, the rest of Breckenshire um, not much more to do to north to go but some went to Llanurted but uh, then South Breckenshire well yes they were then going crossing um, a cultural language and cultural border uh, some to Glamorganshire some to um, Carmarthenshire uh, and some to Radnorshire and some over the border to uh, to England as well um, so apart from those going to Carmarthenshire and the um, Llanurted area really the, they would be going to English speaking areas uh, and that's one of the major knock-on effects then from it but that community was was a, a, a proper community in, in in that we we can use that word community so loosely and politicians use it very very loosely indeed but the, when you look at the word in welsh uh, it's very interesting we have i don't know six seven eight words for 
that one word community which really shows indicative isn't it of how important the dynamic of community is within welsh culture and doesn't have to be your welsh speaking culture because when we go to the valleys it's still there isn't it you know where people look after each other where people um will will have an interest have a natural interest in each other and if you see somebody when you go on the bus in the morning you know and um and when you go on the bus into herbert to go down to ponty uh, people will say hello to you won't they you know and and really that goes you take that right through to the to um uh, coming back to epin to that sort of community where um if one family is if one family is is killing a pig today which was part of where the sustenance was coming from it wouldn't be just for that farmstead the neighboring farms would be there as well they'd be helping with the process uh and at the end of the day everybody would be taking meat away with them and then uh when so and that goes to shearing and that goes to uh, haymaking and it goes to just about an, anything really they had a very interesting system um a 999 system uh because gpo um the provider of the phone provider then uh saw it too, too expensive to take phone lines up not very different from bt today really in, in rural areas um they had their own 99 system uh and it was very very effective they had a, a white sheet which they kept to hand anything going wrong at all they just took the white sheet out to the high point put put it over a a rooftop or, or um a tree in in you know uh, on the farmyard or whatever and straight away people we arriving from right left and center um to to help out so that's the sort of community it was where they worked together um and they they met together to create as well you know it it, 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 it that 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 creative element is so important it's how they do they work in that they 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 go to to do haymaking and sheep shearing that's all creative again you know it's 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 people creating and putting their craft at work with each other but also in their spare time they would be preparing for the steadwood which would happen um around um st david's day uh and happening in the babbet which was the one formal meeting place a uh, small chapel but it was so, sort of anything where we need to meet together formally with that it would happen there um and also perhaps another important element in 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 that chapel element is that that's where they re- really learned how to discuss things and how to question things uh and and uh and and to and got their main sort of reading references as well and and that would be you know that, that's not the popular image of of being narrow and confined that's really opening it up and part of the central thing of methodism in wales as it was actually uh, with the working class in england as well was education education educating each other the state really wasn't doing much in terms of education but but the nonconformity was certainly opening minds up and then that would go over to the drovers as well the informal meeting place which is the other side of the mountain really but but uh, very often you find there people really in live discussion with each other and not just throwing insults back and forth uh, but but uh being able to discuss over a pint and really put the world into its place with an in, an informed discussion uh so you know it it's it's that sort of community where there it, it it's not that there and that in that box there and that in that box there and that family there and that family it's it's all it's a mess of a thing a real live good uh uh creative community is really messy and that's one reason perhaps why bureaucracy um, um you know bureaucrats don't like community basically that's i mean that's the, what i you know we've been reading up on on epent and the thing that strikes you in reading about the community is 
is precisely how close-knit it was. People united by, well, shared hardship and the shared... Uh, I mean, because it seems to be a system, you know, a system of, as you said, a, a, almost like a unique way of life and that the system of small farms, um, whereas people aren't, you know, they're not like one major farm dominating everyone else. You know, people are all or small holdings basically um and people are working for working with one another because as you said that you have to work together in order to survive because it is quite a, an unforgiving landscape um yeah. but there's there's also innovation there as well as is part of what we again today we you know with that sleepy rural community thing which is an an easy uh, cliche for yeah. Um, for newspaper, for, for journalists to use on um, in all media, but really, when when you look at Append, as as you find in so many other rural communities, uh, for it to be, you know, communities aren't staying um, still; they're moving. They have to be moving, otherwise they die. Once once they they stay still, they've they've started the process of dying. So in that innovation, you see. In Append, it was quite um, it was quite a surprise to find that that some of the f- first farms to adopt the tractor in Wales were on Append, but it makes every sense, of course, because they were cut, you know, they they were they were looking to to improve and and to uh, uh, and to be become better farmers, more productive farmers. It was part of 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 who they were and what they were doing and that would be as still happens much more than we like to think really there would be so much sharing there then of of their instruments of work you know so that if that farm was lucky enough to get a tractor and and the tractor was needed down the road with with a family that that was still using the horse but it it, it really needs the power of tractor just to do that job then it, that tractor will be going down the road to help out. It's so important to talk about you know the the people who live there and the, you know the the human element and, and as you said if you, when you read read up on Epin you can sense this idea of you know a very strong idea of community focused on you know, or not just focused on but centered around like you know the chapel the drover's arms um, as you said forms of you know self working class education mm-hmm. and it really gives you a, a scale of you know what the of of what was lost really i mean because it's it's tempting to look at these things through a number of different lenses you know obviously rural areas are always othered in wales i think um we've been a bit parochial or backwards and also as soon as people mention the welsh language a lot of people will go oh you know it's like a like a language issue or something you know something like that or it's a nationalist thing or something but but it's when you you know you think about these families and people's lives and who've lived there for years and years and years and tended the land it really gives you a sense of the scale of the you know the human tragedy really um and i mean it's they've been there for people had lived there for basically been uh humans living on that spot of land almost since rome before the romans um well the 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 word epint itself is is the the is older it's a welsh word which is older than welsh because it comes from the um the brythonic which uh, it goes back to the to the, uh, the very roots of Celticism um, and then a, a, a shared culture, which was, you know, pan-European, of course. Uh, but Epint, uh, even, even though it's so old, uh, it still speaks directly to us today because the last part of the word int or hint we use in, in words today, we, we say that people... My amendari hint. He's going on his way. It's a way of saying that. Well, you, that, that's your that's your route in life. Uh, that's all hint. It comes from there. The first half, ep, well, um, is uh, the, for, for a young pony in in Welsh. We say ebol or ebolion, and it's just it's the same eb as in epint. But it goes even further, or it becomes much richer than that because eb in ebol. It refers to a pona, and a pona is the the, the Celtic uh, goddess taking the, the shape of a pony, of a horse, as you have on the, on the, the white horses on the hills in southern England. They're, they're, they're still there come from um, by Celtic tribes that, that put them there. Uh, but uh, 
if you if you look at the horses, they're male, they're they're, they're stallions, and you, you, it's quite obvious they are as well because Epona was um, um, uh, was the god god of oh I've lost the what, the English word now uh, uh of fertility fertility. Oh. <laughs> uh, so you know it, it, it it's you you, you think. It, it really changes the way you think of that mountain, not as you go from that sleepy backwater place into a, this is all about life. This is all about, you know, what the, the, the very essence of life and the very uh, that vibrancy and and um, telling things as they are and, and, and you know, all that dynamic. Uh, so so you have. All that history, which is really prehistory, uh, coming down, coming down, and all the time, um, that one name, uh, Epint, um, which you know you, you could take Epint and Epona to all parts of of uh, so many parts of Europe, and, and you would you would start a conversation very very easily indeed. Interesting. So, Eros, talk us through. You know, the timeline. So it's 1939, obviously, war has been declared. Yeah. You know, the UK is at war with Germany. It's very much a phony war in France. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in a, in a number of accounts, you know, the first time the villagers know something is up is when uh, a man in khaki in the Land Rover arrives in the village. Um, mm-hmm. and it's then a, it's actually, it's the Hillman Minx. All right. <laughs> yeah, but but in that uh, in that military colour, uh, as we say in Welsh, cachito uh, bach, which uh, literally means um, um, what um, uh, young calves uh, dispense of through the backsides, uh, which <laughs> which is quite a good way of describing the colour of the car. Uh, yeah. With uh, yeah, an officer comes out and he he he. he wants to know the way to some of the farms he has a list he he, he make, makes a big mistake when he goes into the school because uh, um, there were 16 pupils in the school which is only the ser- serving part of the mountain because kids from there were much, there were much more children on the mountain than just the 16 but they would go to schools around the the, the foot of the mountain north and south as well but when he goes into the school he starts to trying to um call out the names but you know he he wasn't from a he, he he'd come in from england that day and uh um he didn't make a very good job as you can uh, imagine of saying throwing court and um and uh, and and so on and so on so the kids just started laughing at him and um so he was hustled out and sent up to the barbet and it was coming up to well it was just just a few days after the uh, announcement after the chamberlain announcement uh, and some of the farmers they finished the uh, the harvest and they were by the chapel um uh, pleaching the head hedges the, the, the trimming the hedges getting them ready for the um harvest thanksgiving and they he asked them for you know how do you get to the Farmer farm. I, I I can't imagine that they didn't ask him. Well, why do you want to know? But uh, they didn't get an answer one way or another. You know, but um, and away he went. And apparently, he, he just stood at the top of the lanes going to the farms or the tracks going to the farms, made notes on his map, and and by the end of the day, he'd gone, and then not seen again. No more um, mention of anything happening until about Christmas. There was a meeting in Brecon, the um, county town, um, behind closed doors. A meeting between uh, officers or between um, uh, yeah, between between representatives of the government. Um, and landowners. Now, most of um, Epping farmers were tenant farmers. Some owned their farms, but not even they were allowed into this meeting. So that meeting in Bracken had nobody from Epping in it at all. And 
but sort of word leaked out, of course, um, around Christmas. But, but the, you know, they they generally they thought, well, it's probably to do with grazing, with the grazing rights and the grazing land, and they probably just want to use a bit of it up the top. And yeah, we we can live with that. We'll 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 do our bit for the war, of course. Um, but in the new year, by February, there are more um, Hillman minxes and Land Rovers and whatever back. So things, you know, the 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 worry was big to build. But they were the the Estevod in the Barbet was on St David's Day or as close to St David's Day as uh, as possible. And I imagine that that would be, you know, almost um, um, they would. It would be a good place to divert your your worry, really, wasn't it? it to get because it'd be such a, a big event, um, and it was a successful event. You know, it is really you. Stelvos tend to be like people; they have their good days and their bad days. But this was one of the good ones. It was everything was going well. It 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 and it was jam packed there. The young people come over from the drovers and perhaps come up some of the pubs from Sandy Bridge in that way as well. They were in high spirits as young people tended to be in instead of us and causing all sorts of problems. But it was all part of the fun, really. Um, and everybody and you knew it was a good Estelwood because it was very lit when it finished. That's always a mark of a good Estelwood when they, they expect to finish at, say, midnight and it goes on half past one, two o'clock in the morning. Really good Estelwood. But next morning, the first letter arrives, and and the letter basically says um, it's it's headed Western Command, uh, and then it has under it Senny Bridge Artillery Range, and then it says, dear sir, madam, um, the, uh, pertaining to your property, and then the name of the property, uh, and this is a formal notice to say that you will require to leave it by. 30th of April. Just think about it. This is the fourth. Well, it's getting them 5th, 6th of March. You're out by the 30th of April. And then um, there is mention there of compensation. But w when I tell the story, when I, um, I always say, don't let the word compensation fool you, because it really basically doesn't mean what we expect it to mean these days. It, it, it was a token payment, um, and it um, it was Jones from Court, one one of the three brothers from Twin Court, who was um, um, quite young, probably in his uh, a teenager when he moved off the mountain. He said that for the first time in his life, uh, his father had to go into debt mm. uh, in order to uh, be able to ensure that that they had. Um, a, 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 a new farm um, to live in and to and to get a living out of as well. It was and, an interesting point that you made about um, the fact that the, the, the discussions had gone on behind closed doors in Brecon mm -hmm. uh, between presumably you know the the leading figures of the town and mm -hmm. the representatives of government. Mm -hmm. And um, you know I think one of the sad things about the whole story is that. You know, it was the fact that this was a very that there wasn't a big center uh, sort of village or urban center, and the fact that you had these sort of socialistic, informal kind of dispersed bonds that spread across the region mm -hmm. that made them so vulnerable to you know the modern state and its and its such sort of armor of of bureaucracy <laughs> and its ability to be able to just flatten any any local dissent. Yes, yes, and it is really a picture, isn't it? Because we we have um, two terms which sound very, very close together: the greater good and the common good, and and they 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 sound as if you know they're deceptively close together. That word "good," of course, but but basically they they, they are two different places. Um, the 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 greater good is something which developed, of course, as a response to um, to the social unrest in France and how that was uh, was threatening um, the the social order in Britain as well. Uh, and then the ideology of well, how do we work this democracy thing where we keep the power, the elite keep the power, uh, but we allow people to um, 
to express um, somewhat. Uh, and that came back to, well, a very Tory idea, really, that, that uh, everybody everybody works on the basis of what's best for them. So everybody individ everybody is an individual. It's you know it's, it's that such a thing of in individuality. And so the best way is then is to find out what the, to run democracy on the lines of whatever the majority. You always go with the majority, which sounds an obvious thing. But what that actually means is that minorities just don't count within that then if you take that right through the minorities are there on so it's the center will always be the most powerful and the closer you are to the center ideology or geographically and um uh, and financially and everything like that that you're okay then anything periphery the more you get towards the periphery the more uh, the, the the more endangered you are the more expendable you are uh, and then the common good, of course, is is what Aristotle uh, said about. Well, this is this is where man finds his um, the, his way in life is, um, and what Raymond Williams in Culture and Society uh, says very very strongly as well. He says, well, for the individual individual to uh, to blossom fully. Uh, he needs to be in in a place of community. He needs to be blossoming with other people. The the one person's gain is everybody's gain. So it's it's it, it's a very different place. So Epint, that community is is the common good. It is a common good. People working for the common good, not always getting on with each other. Quite often um, debating. Actually, that the, the perhaps some of the most um, dynamic communities, successful communities, are communities where people are in open uh, disagreement with each other about how to do things, but they're not disagreeing about why they're doing it. You know, it's the the the, the, the we have a, a common aim for the common good, but uh, and so we'll, we'll, we'll fall out about how to, how to do it. But if the roof has been um, blown off the village hall, then one way or another, we're going to put a new roof there and, and it'll be a better roof than the than the old ones. We don't disagree about that. Um, but what you have in Epint, you, you can see it. It's 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 a, a classic thing of the common good. Uh, the being expendable uh, in the face of the needs of the greater good. The greater good can say, well, you can't stop this. We we, we have to do this uh, because more people will um, gain from it. Uh, sure. It's a pity. It's a pity. But there we are. Sure, Eros. Um, again, you've I mean, people, people have written that the army had uh, their eyes on the area as early as I think 1912, mm -hmm. um, because it's a because of the topography of the land, and also because it's peaty, as you said, it's perfect for for artillery shells to practice. Basically, uh, just unfortunately that it fits the criteria, and and presumably, if they already had talked about it in 1912 or when you know wars declared and they're looking for a, a firing range, it's like oh well, we've got one already lined up essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens then? Okay, the villagers are served, uh, or you know, the people in the community rather. It's not a central village, obviously. Is they serve these eviction notices to the farms, yeah. and then there is a there is a campaign, obviously, to of protest, isn't there? There is, there is, and what happens in any sort of traumatic situation where you know where you see a road accident or whatever? Well, the people who 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 are uh, the victims, they're absolutely that they they're stunned. Uh, and as if they can't do anything, but um, even though uh, those circumstances, those sort of circumstances full of tension about, well, all our effort has to be on defeating Hitler, um, even, even though that was uh, over, overriding, the, um, the response within Wills was strong, was uh, um, really um, quite tangible and, and practical minded. The at the out, out, outset of war, W. G. Griffith, who, who was um, an editor, was editor of Again Hinen, which was a, a 
uh, quite a, a leading literary magazine, but he used his leader art article to say, well, I'm afraid that um, what might happen is that England will win the war, but Wales will lose it. Um, even though he, he he wanted to defeat Hitler, the, he he wasn't a pacifist, and he, he and he certainly wanted to see the, uh, no threat from fascism coming in to Britain. So he was for the war, but he really was frightened of the effect of everybody concentrating on this Britishness that it would that it would be at the cost of Welshness. Um, so uh, an, a defence committee was a Welsh cultural defence committee was formed and they went into action straight away. It's as, it's as if they saw the white sheet from Epint mm. and they responded. Uh, um, and they set about one target, of course, was the media because, you know, we, we have difficulty getting um, proper discussion of Welsh issues in London media these days. But that was nothing. It's nothing to compare to what it was in 1940 with really strong censorship and everything having to be London centric and British centric. Mm -hmm. So reversing that so that everybody in Wales did know. So people did know was a big task. Um, but the other thing they did then, of course, was to was work locally so that so that the people of Epbent were were helped in their trauma by knowing that there were plenty of people supporting. Uh, that there was support, that they were hadn't been left by themselves, and that um, and uh, the um, nonconformist, um, uh, all the different nonconform nonconformist, uh, um, oh, what's the word? N word. Um, the, 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 well, the different denominations. churches, denominations, that's the word, thank you. All those denominations, every one of them actually came out very, very strongly, made, made, made big, um, uh, strong statements. Just about every MP, all Welsh MPs, um, was it more than 36 at that time? But it was something around, you know, that, that 36, uh, most of them, the, the, uh, just one or two um didn't uh, actually um, support the Epin cause. Um, but again, as happened in Truerin, you know, you think, well, within that that block of the, the uh, um, within the a parliament of 650 odd seats, what's 30 to 40 going to, you know, what difference Mm. Does that make if they have strong unity? And that's how that proved there. But anyway, they were there and their voice was there. And one way or another, because all these elements were coming together, they managed to get a, a very important meeting in Whitehall with uh, Lord Cobham, who was the Under Secretary for War. Um, and to all, for what we can uh, discern, um, they made an impression. And I think particularly by not overstressing language and culture, which I don't think would have made much difference. Clement Davis led the um, uh, the party going in to meet Cobham, and Clement Davis was just becoming the uh, Liberal leader, the parliamentary party Liberal leader. Um, and so he was, you know, and, and he was a veteran MP for um, uh, Montgomeryshire, he knew his way around Whitehall. He knew what what you, he he he'd know what would work and what wouldn't work. And I think that that it was his influence that said, right, we have to tackle here. We have to give them facts and we have to make them think about things that they haven't thought about. Uh, and quite central to that was the um, the, the the potential of productivity which Epint had to this dig for, uh, for war, you know, uh, dig for victory, that, that the country need to become uh, self-sustainable in terms of food and clothing and things. So yeah, you had yeah. wool and you had um, meat, but you also have, you know, the, the southern valleys running off Epint are in that uh, red sand soil, which is uh, uh, quite a um, noteworthy feature of agriculture in uh, in Breckenshire. So you had fertile land there, which was very productive land. Um, so really, they were saying, look, 
what are you doing? You're getting rid of this massive mountain area, which is not what's in your mind. You're thinking about uh, desert land where there's just nobody and nothing. But it's, you, you've got the wrong idea. Think again. And he also stressed um, that that um, being against the at the training area was not the same as as being against the war. Uh, he's, you know, as uh, politicians always say, um, the people of, you know, the people of Britain say this, the people of Wales, but he said, well, the people of Epping and the people of Wales all want to defeat Hitler. But um, what we're telling you is that th this isn't actually going to help you. So, um, and Gwynvor Evans was involved as well, wasn't he? Uh, Gwynvor Evans, yes, as, as a, a, a young leader, uh, um, a, a, a young politician just finding his feet with, with a young political party, of course, and his full-time uh, 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 organiser, J.E. Jones. They went round every one of the, fa of the farms, the 52, um, again, trying to m make sure that, you know, what what happens very often in these situations, it, it, it happens in, in when you see uh, factories being um, uh, threatened with closure. Um, I've, I've even seen it um, myself where perhaps some union leaders will say, oh, don't fight this, go for the best money you can get, you know, yeah. go, go for the best. Yep. So that divide and rule tactic, you know, so th they were there really to try and say, look, stay together. As long as we stay together, we've got a hope. But if one or two of you start to start to say, OK, what, how much money is it or, um, or uh, that, that they that they'll, they say, well, we'll help you get a farm down, you know, just down there. You won't have to move too far and just to break up the unity. So they, they did everything they could to keep the unity and, and there was a strong sense of unity as well. But uh, unfortunately for the campaigners, um, the phony war soon ends. Mm. Germany invades Norway. Um, mm. Mm. Cardiff, you know, the Blitz, the Blitz starts. Well, the, the, the Blitz isn't there then. It, 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 we're at the beginning or very beginning of April. Uh, the oh. Blitz is there in Norway. Uh, oh, yeah. so, so it's still only four weeks away. And when when Norway is hit with the Luftwaffe coming over Norway and, and hit some of the main cities, then, as you said, the phony war is over. And really, whatever, if, if uh, Whitehall were seriously had started to look at perhaps alternative sites. Well, perhaps what Clement Davis has said uh, about, look how much land we were all already giving in Wales to the war effort. Uh, perhaps you should look in other parts of, of uh, the British Isles, of, of Great Britain as well. Um, if that is starting to happen from that, I think it was the 9th or the 10th of November, 9th of November, boom, it had gone. It was all off. Um, all the focus was now was not on playing war games as they had been with moving troops here, moving troops there. It it, it was real war now, and then talk of Epent, of changing things in Epent. That, that there's no more discussion. They had one concession because of the late lambing, because the um, the natural calendar uh, on for mountain farms is quite a way behind. Uh, farming on lowland, uh, so they were allowed because of late lambing to uh, remain there until the 30th of June. But then, so they, and then they they had to leave, and, and that was that oh, basically. They they uh, uh, they were told 30th of June is absolute because the next morning we are starting firing, and they <laughs> did well. There was um, a really poignant uh, clip, uh, well not clip. Uh, excerpt in uh you know Harrod thomas piece for nation.com and then for indod um I th so a, a guy called uh Yorweth pete isn't it um oh, yeah uh, travel travels up at that yeah. time um mm -hmm. to sort of explore the community and see what's happening and then there's this old lady who's just sat outside her house with tears running mm -hmm. down her face because she knows you know her community is about to be pull down forever and she's going to have to, to leave. They're clearing. He lands there in the very last week 
where they are clearing the uh, furniture from the last furniture from the house to the lorry. Um, and uh, and he sees her sitting there and he's he has his camera um, and, and he thinks, um, we're still recording, we're okay to record, Kieran? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, oh, sorry, I just lost Dan there. Yeah, he, uh, and he sees her sitting there and I, I'm, I'm quite sure he has this feeling that he's sort of a photographer turning up in a funeral. Mm. Uh, absolutely inappropriate to be, but he's been sent there to uh, to try and record as much of the um, uh, of the uh, architecture uh, as much of the way of life, everything as much as he can for yeah, the. Uh, for the museum, for the, uh, the the National Museum, so he, he approaches her, um, and first of all, he, he, he you know it's difficult to get her attention, but when she turns and sees him, sort of see him, sees him through her tears, she just asks him, "Oblechididod, um, where have you come from?" Um, and he answers, he's quite startled by the question, and he uh, says, "Well, from Cardiff." And she says, Machgeni, my boy, Echnol Arachinion, go back immediately. And they were the bead von hen. It's the end of the world here. Mm-hmm. And and of course it was. It was the end of her world. It was the end of a world, their world, of the world of the whole community, um, whole way of life. Uh, oh, she was looking at the landscape, but seeing really the whole history of her family and community going back generations and generations and generations. So they have to leave. As you said, they get dispersed. They go, they get scattered across Wales. Some go to England. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's another, uh, well, this is quite, uh, again, quite poignant. One of the men who gets, you know, is forced off his land he returns. I don't know if it was, was it every night or every year. Um, you know, to light. He, to light. He comes back a few, a few times. Uh, a few times a week. Uh, he comes up from um, uh, just off the mountain, uh, up the Askervechan, which is on the southern side of Appent, towards Merthyrcanog, towards Breck, and he comes up. He walks up uh, to Glandur, uh, which is quite ha- high up the uh, the valley. Um, and he, as you say, he, he comes back to light a fire because whether somebody had actually told him or whether he just in his heart, you know, he, in his imagination, he just couldn't accept that they wouldn't be coming back. That when this emergency situation of wartime was over, that that uh, that the, the the only natural thing would be coming back. Of course, they'd be coming back. He, he just couldn't imagine anything else. And he, he was coming back to light the fire to, just to keep the warm, the hearth going, to, to keep the, the the house in some sort of temperate um, condition. And he comes back. Once he comes around the corner, it's, it's a winding valley. He comes around the corner and where he expects to see Glandur is family home generations and everything like that is just a pile of rubble and there's one soldier sitting on the rubber on the rubble just having a fag he sees thomas thomas morgan that's his name comes towards him and just tells him because he's stunned thomas is absolutely stunned and he just tells him there we are you won't you won't bother us anymore and just walks off which is, you know, it 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 is indicative of how those families were treated, really, because even before that last day in June, they, the military were there and they were ripping up the fences, they were pulling down the hedges, they were making changes, basic changes to the landscape, which really a natural landscape like that, an environment like that, is a partnership between nature and man between that farming community and their environment uh, and that was being ripped up in front of their eyes with apparently no um, 
no no sensibility at all um, to regarding how that felt for those families. It was a pretty significant uprooting of quite a sizable um, Welsh language community as well. You know, what do you think yeah. is the sort of legacy of of um, of stripping that you know quite quite large area of Welsh speakers yeah. away at that time? You know, do you think it's really affected the sort of the um, the sort of language demographic in the area? Yeah, I, there's one word for it. The word is, uh, and I use this in a technical term, catastrophic. It is catastrophic um, because Glyn Powell, who is probably the person who knows more about the history of Epint uh, than anybody in, in um, uh, Glyn says, and part of his family, his mother was brought up on Epint. He wasn't brought up on Epint, so, but he, you know, he has he has so much knowledge which comes from the inside as well as looking at academically from the outside as well. And he says, well, you know, North Breconshire was Welsh speaking from the uh, north of the Esk Valley as the Esk comes down towards Brecon from north up. Um, it was Welsh speaking. I myself, I was brought up in my um, primary school years in Llanurtid, which is the north of Epint, and it was a Welsh speaking community, um, as well speaking as the one I live in in Ceredigion now. Uh, but today it isn't. And that hasn't happened naturally. It's happened because of cause and effect. And the main cause is that that heartland, that uh, uh, that well-speaking heartland, or as Glyn says, if you take the heart out of the heartland, then the rest of that uh, language body is, isn't going to survive much longer. And that's exactly what happened. It, it, it was, Epint was, uh, sort of strategically placed between the the extreme north of Brackenshire and north up to Abergwessen, um, and and then the um, Welsh speaking communities along uh, the Esk River from uh, Trecastle uh, and Sennybridge down towards Brecon, um, and so once you take that bit in the middle out, uh, then it's going to have effect not just on the 220 people who were removed who largely speak came going to to the east and to the south uh, and over the border would lose the language there would be a, a change of language um but but also it's going to have an effect on the surrounding communities and also what happened quite a lot with with the the next generation is that they had they had to look for their life partners uh, to the east and to the south, which also had an effect on language, on the language of the heart then became usually the language of the mother. Uh, and many of those mothers were, were coming from English speaking areas. So that had a knock on effect as well. The, the, the happy note on that is that since 2010, I think we've, we've seen something quite radical change. Um, and that's coming from uh, um, a, a group of the, the, the young farmers in Breckenshire um, looking to, in 2010, to, to mark the 70 years of the removal of the community and doing that by means, uh, by creative means, by stationing a, a, a play. But the process you know, of putting that play together really provided them with a way of rerouting and when I say rerouting, <laughs> um, some of them didn't have any reason to have roots on Epin because they weren't even from um, uh, from families with with Welsh roots. They were incoming families who had settled in Breconshire, but had um, but had become part of through the YFC. Had started to have some uh, association with. Um, with the local community and then through the play it actually started to give them a reason why people spoke Welsh because it was only through the Welsh language that, that they could really access the, the history, the whole history and and, and and the culture of the area and, and that's changed attitudes and that's been a positive change which is which is a tangible change 
um, within young people in, in North Brackenshire, what, what was North Brackenshire? There's, yeah, I mean, when we think about Bracken today, I mean, no offence to people from Bracken are listening, but, you know, you, Bracken is widely viewed as, a, you know, part of British Wales, you know, Anglicised area, and it's interesting to, yeah. to read about, you know, this, the, the Welsh-speaking heart of Bracken and essentially being, like, excised. In terms yeah. of... Well, just, just one po- yeah. very important point is, I, um, a few years ago, I, um, I hosted... Uh, um, um, a lecture with um, Suzanne Romain, who was uh, uh, Merton Professor of English in, in Oxford at that time. Um, and she's done work uh, looking at um, the problems facing minority language languages throughout the world. And um, it's been published under the title Vanishing Voices, um, co-authored with, with Daniel Nettle. But she said in, 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 in the in this lecture, a very, very important thing. Uh, she said, from her experience in mapping and doing, you know, really, um, as ac- academics do, looking at uh, really doing a thorough job of it, um, was that the, the correlations show that there's nothing natural about the death of a language. You know, we we talk about language being uh, Welsh being an old language, one of the oldest in Europe. And I'm saying I think that's very, very dangerous to do that, really, because it 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 makes it sound as if oh, it's so old, it's sort of natural that it dies, isn't it? You know, but what you see in Epint absolutely um, backs up what Suzanne Romain was saying in that lecture. There's nothing natural about the death of a language. It it died in Epint in Breckenshire because it was in the way, quite simply. It was in the way. Martin Johns, when we did the lecture, uh, an episode with Martin Johns, you know, Wales since 1939, you know, he identifies World War II as a seminal period in Welsh history because it's the time when, you know, obviously the First World War integrates Wales into the UK in a, in a way because the Welsh, the Welsh battalions for the first time, you know, People are fighting together and feeling feeling very British, and World War Two is the same. But it's also when you, when you think about Epping, there's it's something else. You know, there's kind of like this, you know, rural communities coming up against the, you know, the hard edges of the state, and as you say, essentially yeah. being dis, <laughs> disposed. Um, so there is, you know, there's there's always like um, within hegemony, there's always this. Uh, there's always a hard edge, you know. Even if the even if the Welsh sort of buy into Britishness, there's always, you know, it, it's just this. It, it's so symbolic, you know, the idea of this just encroaching westward and just identifying this this place and taking it over. Um, and yeah. one of the things that I mean, we've talked about on this podcast is, you know, the, the militarization of contemporary Wales. But what is mm. interesting is is again looking at Epping as maybe one of the it's the start of it in a way because and you look at world war Two. you know anghar thomas said you know epping's thirty thousand acres of land mm-hmm. and then when you add that to the other land that was taken over in world war Two for military purposes you know in wales you had seventy thousand acres of land used versus only fifty six thousand in england and six thousand in scotland mm-hmm. and yeah you know and unlike you know capital kellen which is now submerged um, you know, you're not going uh, with you know you know people aren't going to go back to the village underwater you know Epping and, and the area around Sandy Bridge has now become one of the biggest training areas in the world you know it's it's where you know Brecon is now where the special forces train in the UK it's it's it's, it's internationally recognized as this huge military training area where you know yeah. armies from all over the world come to train um and there's a, I mean, that's that's hugely significant, and it, it's in the heart of Wales, and 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 obviously we've argued that Wales has become essentially a military playground for the British state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's disproportionately militarised, but it's just interesting to see this as the as potentially being being the start of it, you know, and then from there it sort of expands outwards. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, and in fact, um, the John Davis historian in in um, Hannes Gumley History of Wales, the the Penguin um, publications, um, marks it at ten percent. Mm. Uh, at the end of the war, ten percent of Wales's landmass was 
um, was uh, under the um, ownership of the Ministry of Defence or the Ministry of War, as it was then, you know, which is uh, an astonishing figure, isn't it? Uh, And and, um, probably because it's 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 done in that sort of piecemeal here, piecemeal there uh, and using all the techniques of divide and rule as well, I, I think, as 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 uh, uh, with that encroachment. Uh, and it is, as you say, it, it, it does really show that that dichotomy, that that centre, that the closer you are to the centre, the safer you are, the further away you are, the more on the periphery you are, you are the more disposable you are, the more you're there to, to serve the centre, really. Um, but I, I think going back to you know what, what we think of language, we talk about language and culture as as um, as being sort of as if they're on the periphery of important things, as if they you know the, that that they are. It's not bread and butter, but. Um, and it's not hard uh, politics. It's not. It's not tough politics, but actually, I think we we're not looking at it in the, in the right way. Because if it wasn't for um, culture, that 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 the, the, the and particularly the um, predominance of community as real um, places where the the common good is. A political reality, day-to-day reality. Were it not for that, we, you know, the, this thing, Wales, wouldn't be here now. It, it, it's, it, it would have been, it would have been swept away. It, it, it would have been absorbed into that system of hierarchy, which is, which is, uh, what uh, English culture is yeah. is about. But um, when, but when you come back to what, what, what these young people what that those young people started doing in 2010 and imagining really putting roots down and reimagining where they live and where they want to live um th- then i think we have real possibilities of doing something uh which changes which which doesn't accept the status quo we have been accepting the status quo and saying well there's nothing to be done about it you know that this area is such a big area we can't do anything about it but i i don't think that the i think the younger generation through language and culture they will be able to do something it'll give them a basis to do something about it and and to um and to develop their own ideas and to make those ideas um visible and and heard as well at this point now as we go out of as we start to think about what happens after lockdown mm. so many of us are thinking men, men you know m- most people are thinking well it's, it's been an, an odd experience and it's been all this and it's been that but when we come out of this um it has to be different it has to be better we, we must you know we, we, we there are things lessons learnt. um and it's a seminal moment i think isn't it and thinking about um, uh, uh, about that status, it, it does bring the status quo absolutely into question, and and that means that everything is there to be questioned, even something thirty thousand square uh, acres of uh, prime military training area. Oh no, it's there to be questioned. Yeah, you can imagine like the Welsh government saying, "Oh, we're, we're going to take a take the land back from the MOD and then just I don't know turn it into a an awful like tourist resort or just a red row estate <laughs> or something like <laughs> something like that." But it's it's something incredibly poignant, you know, about you know Wales's pacifist tradition, um, you know, and the fact that so much of our land is used uh, f- for for military purposes. And you know, we've we've talked previously about Anglesey being used to trained pilots have committed war crimes in, in Yemen and in Syria and things like that. And, and you know, there's something incredibly morally wrong about, you know, giving over land to the, the business of, of death, essentially. Um, so, and so, so willingly. Um, and it would be interesting, you know, as part of, uh, you know, if you were pushing for an independent Wales, like I know a lot of our listeners are, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, what would be more symbolic than, than taking that land back off the Ministry of Defence. Um, it's something that 
you know, it's something that's really, it, it, of course it could happen. We, we need to go back to what the, those farmers and the Babette and all those little chapels, whatever they were called, and, and, and the big chapels in the valleys as well, where, you know, what was happening on the Sunday was one thing, but the import, the real important thing would happen in the Sunday school, the adult Sunday school, or in, or in the Sayet meeting, where they really question things and essential things and question it to such a degree that that they wouldn't be able to uh, stay in the same room even but out of that visions were developed out of that the politics of wills changed and we really need to go back to those little to what whatever way we do it where we do it over zoom or, or skype or we we come back to um it, it, to our meeting rooms or whatever, whatever it is we, we really need to get back to the place where we start to question what what are our values what is really what really is important to us um, what sort of future do we need do we want in this country so aros there was meant to be a commemoration i think in september mm. but there's obviously been put on hold is there going to be anything online uh, well, uh, there's been lots of going on online. We've we've been in Welsh. We've been um, I've been doing what I've been doing with you there now, but in terms of uh, of broadcasts of telling the story in five episodes, there there it's it's there for people to um, go to. Um, and also um, there's a, a film which has been released on YouTube, um, which. Uh, is starts from that story of Yorwith Feet and the old lady in Wine Lloyd and it's the end of the world. And that leads on to the, the big question really is, well, end of a world, what's 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 the new world? Where do we go from here? Um, the end of the world, the uh, every um every situation difficult every traumatic situation every um, situation of emergency is has uh, potential in it to uh, uh, to to uh, form a new world to, to to form new beginnings so that's part of what will be happening in the next few weeks is is that one way or another that that question of what are our priorities uh, what do we want to happen um from this in this post covid 19 world how do we um move on from the status quo um that, uh, that, that's going to be happening and hopefully going to be happening in discussion groups using zoom for the time being to to form those groups uh but that we gather those voices together and then hopefully through well yourselves desolation radio uh and any means possible that we make the media be a media once again rather than being an end an end in itself so it's carrying a message and that message coming directly from people um um all over wales brilliant eros as is our custom is there anyone you would like to give a shout out to or to start a beef with <laughs> no, I don't, I've said enough for today. <laughs> okay, uh, Kieran, what about you, mate? Um, well, maybe we should give a shout out to Nathan, um, who apparently is busy. He's gone. Well, he's in uh, military training this weekend, isn't he? He's in, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's in the uh, the TA, so he's doing his training probably up in uh, Epping, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not really. <laughs> uh, oh, no. yeah. Um, yeah, shout out to Nathan. Sorry, can be a um, special shout out to I've got a nephew Edward Arthur Evans. Shout out to my brother. Shout out to my sister-in-law uh, producing a, a masculine child, which is huge news. Uh, saw him today, and he's amazing. Yeah. So it's interesting when you you know when you see the new generation and the youngsters. You, you as you said, Aros is a new incentive to start fighting for a better world. Always because you just think, well, what are they going to inherit if we don't uh, if we don't start the uh, thinking about it and, and, and fighting for it yeah. so um thank you so much Eros. um like if i mean if you speak if you speak welsh like i know a lot of you do uh, listen to Eros's. well it's like a saga isn't it on um radio becca it is and, and it's, and many it. it's called it's it's the the mountain that was disappeared it's uh sounds a lot better well uh yeah a lot more romantic than 
than what we'll probably call this episode. But um, no, it's been fa- it's been fascinating. So and thanks so much for as you said uncovering and and educating us on a, a part of Welsh history that isn't um, known, but you know, you know relative to Chawera. And I I I always I, I can't help but think that it's maybe because of how we we view certain communities in Wales, it, it's it's been e- easy to easier to marginalise this um, than it would be to to marginalise other episodes. So hopefully we'll. Changes the common sense, force force it back into the public imagination, and have a discussion about uh, you know the land, the commons, militarism. Um, mm-hmm. Don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon, which is obviously extremely important. Uh, to follow us on uh, Twitter at Destination Wales. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll speak to you soon. Epins, epins. Epins, epins.